0: Thank you, Ruth, and uh, I uh, certainly do appreciate that. As we, uh, as we get started tonight, I want to, uh, uh, to talk to you about uh, the crucified life. Uh, a couple weeks ago, we, uh, we talked about the crucified will, and, and this uh, season after, after Easter, and we uh, uh, want to touch on this topic, Feel led in this direction. Uh, so uh, we're going to read from uh, Luke chapter 9 and the verses will be up on the screen uh, to follow along or you want to open your Bible and, and follow, that's, uh, that's fine with me. But Luke chapter 9, as uh, Jesus uh, speaks uh, to the disciples, reads this way. Then He said to them all, If anyone desires to come after Me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it, but who, whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. For what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and is himself destroyed or lost? And then verse 26, For whoever is ashamed of me and my words, of him the Son of Man will be ashamed when he comes in his own glory and in his father's and of the holy angels. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We give you praise for the fact that we can open your word and come to you and know that you are speaking to our hearts. That your word is alive to us. And, and uh, Lord, we, we thank you, Lord, for the, for the inspiration and instruction that we are that able to receive. And we give you the praise and glory and and the thanks for it all in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Our desire for holiness or our desire for goodness means nothing unless it is a desire for Jesus himself. And a desire for Jesus results in a Desire to be like him and to take on his character. But even the desire to be like him cannot come before the desire for Jesus himself. We can't put one before the other. And when the desire for holiness comes first, it turns into pride and self righteousness. And a, a judgmental, we get to that position, and then we're looking at a judgmental spirit that can easily develop. But when the desire for for Jesus comes first, the desire to take on his character naturally follows because that's what you're desiring is him. And day by day, that becomes a reality to take on his character. And you begin to understand that it's not what you give up that makes you pure it's what you become as we walk in that in that life in that life of holiness and that, that walk with Him. And it's really unfortunate that this kind of, of Christian lifestyle is seen as unattainable by so many people. That when we get to a, a certain position or or some language, a certain language is used, a, then people stop and they say, well, we can't get there. We, we can't do that. And it's even more unfortunate that it's, people think that it's only attainable by the people that they might feel would be the super spiritual, so to speak, and for the super spiritual only. But on the other hand, there are people that see that as, as attainable but undesirable I can receive that. I can my character can be the same as his, and we are changed more and more into, into his, his image, and that image is restored. but I can, we can do that, but it's undesirable. It's not what I want. And they think if I give myself completely to God, he's going to take away the things that I love and enjoy. And so we hold tightly to those things. And people who believe this see God as the cosmic killjoy, so to speak. And uh, if I die to myself, there will be nothing left of me. And there will be nothing left for me if I die to myself. And they see it as dying, but they fail to see that that is the beginning of living. When When we make that step, when we take that step into into that spiritual walk with Him. So the first thing I'd like to point out uh, this evening is that in order to understand the crucified life, we must understand who God is. Your love for God, your love for God is directly related to your understanding of who God is. And you can see that In many Christians lives and as uh, in many people around us that are believers, if you think that God is mean and vengeful, then you're not going to have a very large place in your heart for him. If you believe that he delights in taking your joy away, you're not going to get very close to God and you're going to stay at, at arm's length away. And if you're not sure you can trust God, you're not going to open up your heart very far because of that mistrust. And if you you think that he pays more attention to what you do wrong than what you do right, then you'll want to stay completely away from him. You don't want to feel that conviction, that, that heavy hand. But if you understand who God really is, you will run to him, leaving everything else behind. He is the God of all compassion. He is the God of of all goodness. And we read from John, uh, his letters, that that God is love. And we we can't fathom that. He is faithful. He is loving. He is our Father. He cares for us more than we could ever know. God cares for us. And He reaches out to us and He wants to be closer than than I believe we're, we're willing to Allow ourselves to 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 let go and, and, and go to Him. But we but at the same time we must never forget that He is our Creator and that we are dependent upon Him for our next breath and our next heartbeat. Amen? But in that same that same breath, He's a loving God who knows all about us and cares for us. And the fact is that he is God and we're not. Praise the Lord. And the prophet Isaiah said in in chapter 64, Yet, O Lord, you are our father. We are the clay. You are the potter. We are all the work of your hand. And we would all agree. We would all probably agree if we thought about that. Jesus' life was upside down. But anytime we fail to, to put God in His rightful place, understanding directly who He is, if we fail to do that, we're creating our own dysfunctional, dysfunctional upside-down world where we take God's place. We put ourselves in there instead of Him. We, we say that we're going to take care of it instead of letting Him do it. You see, our God is not only worthy of our worship, but he's worthy of us giving him our entire lives. Our future, our thoughts, our desires. We give it to you, help us, direct us, guide us in what that might look like. And when we give up life to receive life, we discover the joy of what life was designed to be. And when we're going through life just bumping along, that's not the way God designed us. He, he didn't design us to, to be that way. He, wanted to, he designed us to be dependent upon him and his love and his direction. To show him, show him our love and our worship. And when we come face to face with God, the only appropriate response is full surrender. That's all we can do. We're to die to ourselves that we might come alive to God. And when you understand who God is, then you begin to realize that you owe Him everything. Everything that you are. Everything that you will be. And He's the only person worth giving our lives to. And it's, it's worth giving up our life in order to gain his life. Amen? Paul said, in the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Romans 6.11 So why are we willing to give up what we want in life? And the answer would be, we do it in order to gain the life that God has for us. He's wanting to give us so much more than we're giving up, but... We fail to see that. We fail to see that. In Ephesians chapter 2, uh, we read, Like the rest, we were by nature objects of wrath, but because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. So we need to, we need to give up our petty plans for our lives in order to receive his great plan that he has for our lives. And as tightly as we might hold, want to hold on to what plans we make. And the, and the things that we want to do. Is this what God wants us to do? And that's when we spend some time seeking his face and going to him. And we, we do it because of the mercy that he has shown to us. As our Savior, as our Lord, as our God—all three, all three of those titles or or positions that He holds in our lives. John tells us in First John four, we love Him because He first loved us, and we sing that chorus uh, quite often. And secondly, in order to understand the crucified life we must understand who we are who are who are we and once we understand that God is worth our worship and God is worth our devotions then we understand who we are because we're standing in that place of of giving God the only person worth our worship we are sinners saved by God's wonderful grace that's exactly where we stand that he has come to to help us to to restore his image that's in us as an image bearer but we're more than that we're created to be heirs of God's kingdom we're the children of God created in his image the divine stamp is on our souls the divine inheritance awaits us as sons and daughters of God. God has called us His treasured possession, Exodus 19:5, and it's hard to behave, behave like trash when you are, understand that you are treasured by God. And we need to keep that in mind—that we are His treasure. We walk around with the with the long faces, and how how is he ever going to see that in us when when his word tells us that's a, that's where we are and we need to take that and we need to to receive that and when you understand that god sees you as a prince or a princess you can't be satisfied living in the gutter because that's not where you belong doing the things that this world does and and bowing down to what this world bows down to We're above that. He's wanting us to be above that in our thoughts and having our mind renewed and transformed. This is what that's all about, what Romans 12 talks about. Suddenly you can hold your head high. You want to live up to what God says you are and and someone that sees the potential in who you are. You want to, to live out what that potential is. So grasping a hold of that it becomes what's important. And our final point tonight is that we must decide whose life we will live. And what it all comes down to is the decision. We've talked about this time and time again. <clears throat> will you live will you live your life or you will you live God's life? And as a believer we, we come to that point. To that time of decision in our lives will we want to work out our own petty plans or will your life take on an eternal dimension as you live out God's plan for you will you be comfortable or will you let Christ make you new we are new creation new creatures in Christ Will you trust Him to take you into the future, or will you remain in control? And then the question also comes down to, will you love Him, or will you love yourself? Or will you die to yourself? Larry, I need you to to get ready for me. You have to make the decision to die completely to your old life to your old plans, to your own desires, and let Him take control. Let Him him guide the direction in which you're going to go. I have about a three-minute video of of the wrong way to worship. And uh, uh, Larry's going to help me with the sound here. I will sing of your love With the they will shut up. All right? Some of some of you know those songs. <laughs> we can do the right things for the wrong reason. Are we worshiping God? Are we worshiping ourselves? Or do we want to do what God wants us to do? Or do we want only want to do what what we want to do? will we will you love him or or love yourself and the purpose of this is to take up the life of God the life that God wants us to live his plans his desires now this doesn't mean that you saw your house and, and become a missionary to South America and ride on a boat with jungle gin we, we love what she does but Jungle Jin does a great job, and she's obviously been called to do that, and, and she does it. It doesn't mean that you quit your job or, or sell your SUV, right? It doesn't mean that, you, that there's nothing in your life that you've done right. You haven't done right so far. And to the casual observer, it may appear that you're doing all the same things that you've done before, but your heart is different. It's been changed. There's a new person. We talked this morning about Peter and about how how bold Peter was and then then Acts chapter 12, we get there and he's asleep and the angel appears and has to poke him in the side to wake him up. That peace that's in his heart because of the Holy Spirit, because of that change, that, that, that purifying, that renewing, that new life. The new creation. Your goal is not to please yourself. But to please God. And when you seek him. And when you live a crucified life. That's exactly where you are. Where you are. Your attitudes. Your motives. Have turned around. Now you don't have to wear a robe. And, and, and eat locusts. Right? You don't have to go out. And, and make great, great sacrifices. Real life real life that you run into will present you with some great opportunities to die to yourself and to choose God each and every day one man's life he was asked to do the most difficult thing imaginable we we've talked and we've been talking on Wednesday nights about uh, Abraham and Sarah they were childless God had promised that they would be parents of a multitude, your offering would be your your offspring would be as vast as the stars in the sky or the sand on the seashore. But they had no children, not one. It was very late in their lives. You know the story, and when they finally had a son, his name was Isaac, and that meant laughter because because Sarah thought that that was hilarious. That she was so old in, in life and advanced that that God was going to start with this one. Their hopes came alive, and now, now they believe that God could do everything, but then God all of a sudden one day says, Abraham, take Isaac, your only son Isaac, and, and go where I show you, and offer him as a sacrifice. You know, to you and I, that, that's, that would be tremendously difficult. Now, how are we going to do that? And it was completely unlike God and went against everything that Abraham knew about him. And, but here's Abraham. He, he, he gets everything together and even has uh, uh, Isaac, unsuspecting Isaac, carrying the wood on which he would be laid. And Isaac knowing and at the age at which he was, we, when we look at that, uh, as Larry pointed out, uh, then he's not really... Where's the sacrifice like we've got the wood and we've got the fire and and but he laid his son on the altar he raised the knife and he was about to do in his mind would be the unthinkable but God had made a promise and what was going through Abraham's mind if if God wanted him to to sacrifice Isaac he would raise somebody else up or something else was going to happen that's what was in Abraham's thought. His thoughts, and I believe that. But then God stopped him and provided the sacrifice. Was he willing, was he willing to die to his dreams and cling to God alone? Abraham passed that test, but I'm not so sure how I would do. Have you ever thought about that? How would you do in that circumstance? Sometimes I have a hard time handing over the minor loves of my life to God and, and giving Him the small things, and let alone the things that are central and, and that strike at my heart. You thought, I, I really believe that, that God is not interested in having me hand over these things as He is in my willingness to hand those things over. And they don't have to be bad things. The good things in life. If those things begin to take God's place... If our work for him begins to take the place of the one with whom we are worshiping, or those things distract me from loving him, then I must be willing to place them on the altar and and lift the knife. It's a part of taking up my cross daily. And that's what that's all about. Living the crucified life. And then he asked the question, at the very end of that section of verses that we read, what good is it for man to gain the whole world and yet lose or forfeit his very self? Let's all stand. Father, we, we thank you and we praise you tonight and we give you praise for, for this wonderful day that you've given to us. We thank you, Lord, for, for your word and the truth of your word. Help us, Lord, each one to, to consider what living the crucified life means to us. What things that we, we may be putting in Your place and uh, taking away from You. Help us, Lord, to understand what those things are and to, and to put those things aside and, and to walk with You and, and to be with You. We love You. We thank You. And we give you the glory for for all that you do. Be with us throughout this week, we pray. And we give you the praise for it in Jesus' precious name. And everybody said...